When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is great to be with you. Welcome back in. Hope you had a good weekend and a good bye week. Away we roll on a Monday. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew is in the studio. We're at home, but we're here. We're ready to roll, and we're excited to be here. Yes, this is live. You're good to go. If you're in the chat, we can answer questions. You're out there driving around. Be safe, but keep listening. Tell other people about it. Celebrate, everybody. Celebrate. We're back talking Florida State football. They're back on the gridiron this week. I'm anxious, very anxious to see them play uh, because I think a lot of things kind of oddly have transpired since we last saw them play. We've had time to reflect, time to think about what they could be and the need to get healthy and perhaps shuffle some personnel. We heard from the coaches today, comments on what Mike Norbell said, what Alex Atkins had to say, what Adam Fuller had to say. Later in the show, as we're wont to do on a Monday, we'll be joined by the great Irash Fell in the second hour, and I look forward to that as well. Now I get to uh, rekindle the conversation. Tom Lang, welcome back to town, buddy. How are you? Hey, hey. I, uh, I lost two arms and a leg. The mouse always wins, uh, even more than the house does when you go to Vegas. Uh, but it was a great time. Uh, the weather was actually okay because it was cloudy, so it wasn't brutal. And people watching sports on their phones and the lines. Like, there was so much good football this weekend. Yes. Ryder Cup, not so much. But people were locked in, and you hear cheers at one part of the park in Epcot or another. It was, uh, it was a good time. Good bye week. It's a good bye week because I think we got confirmation of something we already knew. I think a lot of us suspected uh, early in the season that there wasn't a dominant 
football team that was owning college football until somebody else could rise up and perhaps lay claim. Like Georgia has the last couple of years where you've kind of looked at them and thought, I don't know. I don't know who's beating that team with the defense with that kind of ferocity. And they had a veteran quarterback and they had all the elements of what you needed all world tight end, good offensive line run game. They were dominant on defense, but they're struggling so bad right now on offense. I mean, basically it's the Brock Bauer show. Oh, by the way, you may want to cover that dude. Uh, he's really effing good. Holy moly on every play. What are we doing over there guys? Uh, bizarre. But that said, they're flawed. We're flawed. These other teams that are vying for the top spot, whether it's Washington or Oregon or Southern Cal or Michigan, well, Michigan hasn't shown any flaws, but they also haven't played anybody yet. So it's just, it's interesting as we look at these teams, you think, why not us? Moreover, what you think about is, holy moly, man, it's looking more and more, Tom, and I thought it over the weekend, our friend Ingram Smith with the Battles In and I were talking, and we're going to have to go undefeated. And that, that's all there is to it. I think if you're going to get in this thing and you're going to get there to dance and try to find out whether or not you're the best team in the country, you're going to have to go undefeated because you just watched LSU's defense give up 700 plus yards. That's an embarrassment. They have more losses coming if that's the way they're going to play defense. And so you're going to have to hang your hat. I think as we move on, perhaps the Clemson win will be your best win. Uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously you still have to play Miami who as of right now is a, is a good football team. Uh, you know, but now that Florida's lost again and Kentucky drubbed them. And so that's not going to look good for you down the road. I just don't know where your wins are going to come from that will impress this committee uh, when, when the time comes. And I, and I hate thinking about that. I refuse to think about that. In fact, I'm not going to think about that because if you just keep winning, it won't matter. You will be in, but it does appear you're going to have to go undefeated. Cause I don't think a one loss team is getting in with the, with the ACC resume. Yeah, I think it's the cachet of, of two matchups with Miami, and Miami has one loss in that scenario when you play them again. I think that's, you know, that's maybe your path, um, or Miami is undefeated, and unfortunately you would lose the first matchup and then win the second, but it, Miami is your last hope in that regard. The good news, even though you'd never like to see an injury, is that the Duke game got a lot easier. That had so much, you know, as we're now in October and it's postseason baseball, Sorry, Director Matthew, but that reeked of Ryan Howard grounds out to end the game. The Philly season is over, and he tore his Achilles. You know, it's like, so next season is now over. You remember when that happened 10, 12 yeah. years ago? It, oddly, just because the story was crazy, it I, I kind of laughed. I thought it was hilarious. I don't know why, even though I like him, and I don't have anything against the Phillies. I just was like, holy moly, that's brutal. <laughs> I mean, what a way to lose a game. And, and there were a couple of those, like you're talking about with Georgia. It's, man, they're going to one guy. There is one guy. I, you know, if The if only he, guy. If he does Travis Kelsey things and you bracket him, okay, understood. But he's single covered. What in God's name are you doing, Auburn? But, uh, yeah, I, I think Miami is about your only hope at this point. And I, I don't want them to be a hope. I'd rather that they stink and then we just run roughshod over the 12 games. Then maybe North Car being undefeated, North Carolina is undefeated at the time. But the ACC all plays each other. Clemson gets a crack at North Carolina. Miami does here shortly. Uh, it's, yeah, just keep winning your games. Just take these three straight home games and win them all. The, the thing with Riley, the, the Riley Leonard um, injury, I hate it for that kid. He's a really good player, by the way. Really good player. The whole time, I, every time I watch him, I'm like, why are you at Duke? But uh, anyhow, he's, he's very good. Uh, 
yes, it, we might get lucky. He may not play against us. Then again, everybody magically heals before they play us. So I'm not entirely certain that's the case. Seems like every time, especially when we were down, if you had any guy that had a pulse and he was really good, but he was rumored to be out for the next six weeks, if we played you within three weeks, he somehow was better. Yeah, the COVID year, Kenny Pickett, he was uh, not supposed to, he, was, he had no chance. And then he saw us on film and he's like, you know what? I'm feeling good today. I, I feel think great. Give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, you know, let's say he made, high ankle sprains are really difficult to recover from. They typically take a lot of time, but you're also talking about people who have access to the best equipment, the best doctors. And so, you know, maybe they can expedite that you or I are down for three months, but you know, you get that guy in there and he's in a real locker room with real doctors and all that other stuff. You might be able to heal it. But point is this Florida state just got to play. Well, if they play well, they're going to win games. It's the bottom line is the schedule is manageable, but they're going to have to play well because we've seen what happens when they don't. They're capable of looking really bad. Um, you know, the further we get removed from that Boston College game, the more aggravating it is. Louisville had no problems with Boston College, and Virginia damn near beat him this weekend. I, the Boston College isn't good, and that kid's not great. I'm tired of all that conversation. It, we just looked like ass that day, and it's very, very frustrating. Yes, uh, the good news is that we don't have another bye week. You want to play more football to give us new data points to say, all right, they're cleaning some stuff up, they're getting better. Yeah, I think the winner this weekend for Florida State was its defense <laughs> because uh, Jaden Daniels continues to look special. That offense for LSU continues to look special, and it's that second-half performance where you go, huh, I guess that was Adam Fuller's night. You know, in, in retrospect, I know they gave up 300 yards in the first half, but what they did in the second half to help close that thing out, if the FSU offense was a bit of a loser this weekend in terms of uh, what LSU's defense looked like, you could look at it the other way and say, well, nobody's stopping that kid yet except for us for 30 minutes. Yeah, I don't think Ole Miss is going to stop anybody's offense. So, yes, I guess. I, I, it is It is true. Uh, I would say that that's kind of the story of Adam Fuller's career at Florida State. Every time you want to give him credit, there's a caveat. Yep. <laughs> and so I do the same thing. Like, if I start to credit him, then I go, well – then again, and we point to three or four other things that you're furious about. But here's the good thing is that you get three home games. We've only played one so far. So you get three in a row. This is by the time you head you head up on the road and you go to uh, Wake Forest, should be seven and zero, oh, and maybe feeling a little bit better about what's going on in the running game. They're they're talking about it out loud in the press conferences though about all that is wrong with the running game and and having yeah. to get it going. So they're not shying away from that part of the conversation. It would be silly to, uh, we know what he is. We know what this offense is. We know what Norvell wants to do. We know what they talked about before the season. We have eyes. We watch the games. Uh, we can look at the numbers and, you know, you have empirical data as well as eyewitness testimony. So you have got everything you really need here that says they're struggling to consistently run the ball. I do think they've probably figured out who they are on defense now. And I, I really look forward to seeing them play on Saturday because they're going to get tested by a guy who's a, he's a, He's a load. There's 230 plus pounds who can really run. And so if you don't, if you're not serious about it, you're going to have a problem with him. And this weekend, he finally showed the ability to throw the ball down the field some too. So, you know, you probably got to buckle it up here and want to play. Now, the good news is we're coming off the bye. They should be fresh up front. I love our front four. That's something I've consistently stated. I think that's going to be the rock of this team, not the offensive line, but rather the defensive line, I think is really the strength of your football team from there various shades of good to average in a lot of different spots. Uh, I think when it all comes together, the other part of this team that we'll be talking about glowingly, the way we do our front four, will be the receiving core. I, when they get them all involved and this thing gets moving a little bit, I think we will be talking about that group 
as a very difficult ask for a defense to stop. But they got to get humming. They got to hopefully they use this time coming out of the break to get right, to get healthy, to kind of clean up the things that have really plagued them. And let's go from a personnel standpoint. Let's go from a mentality. Now Jordan's got to be feeling better. I know Mike said today that he's feeling a lot better, that the, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time. Well, that's really good news because they're going to have to run him. And they haven't run him, and that's going to open up the rest of the running game. So if that, if he's capable of doing that, maybe not this weekend, I don't know. We'll see to what degree. But at some point, they're going to have to do it to really get this running game going. I'm looking forward to watching it because, you know, the coaching staff and, and in general coaches, you do coach speak here on Warchant TV. It's a seminal headlines production. That's fun. They won't say it in public, but then they'll tell you based upon how it looks when they call the plays. Like, for example, Garrett Riley, when we played Clemson, did not want to throw to the flats in the bubble game like he did against Duke. He knew that we come up, we make plays there. In fact, we made the play of the game on defense in that very part of the field. So he's telling you what he sees on film by the way he's calling the game. He won't go in the media and say out loud, well, we can't throw to the flats. Florida State's too tough there. What do we do offensively? Formationally, what kind of runs do we call? Are we yep. more of a zone team and send a counter? Do we run up the middle more? Is there any change? Is it, you know, this is what we're about. We're just going to clean up the mistakes we've made. And our core plays are our core plays. The coaching staff is going to tell you over these next couple of weeks what they thought when it was all time to self-scout. Because that term was brought up a lot today of self-scouting. So they're going to tell you what they think that they actually can accomplish and things that they're literally punting on and saying, no more. All right, let's let's move from A to B. This is our identity this year. I would like to be something else, but this is these are the ingredients we have, and let's make the most of it. I like that there doesn't appear to be a dominant team because it makes the criticism of our team, which I have, um, you know, I think seem fair because it's also alongside the same sorts of criticisms you could have for everybody else. And so we just have a jumbled mess at the top where nobody really knows what's what. We all have an opinion on who we think is the best team or who has the best resume. Florida State uh, certainly arguably has the two best wins. You could say the same. I guess I, I would maybe argue that Texas now does. Uh, that road win against Alabama and then pasting Kansas the way they did. Uh, that was a ranked team. Uh, you know, you look at that situation. I think you could argue Texas. I think you could argue Michigan, who hasn't played anybody, but they run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and play great defense. And I think that's a formula we've now seen for two consecutive years in which they've made the playoff. I think that's who they are. Um, I think from there, you could start nitpicking a lot of people, including us. I don't know. Whereas right now, we need more football. But guess what? We've got a lot of football to be played. We don't have to know right now. And that's the sense that I get from our fan base. I keep getting these emails and tweets and people on social media. Why do they keep dropping us? Why do they keep dropping us? Stop worrying about it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're going to be all right. Got to keep winning games. As long as you win games, everybody else plays each other. It's going to work out in a way that I think it will suffice. You'll be one of the four. You know, uh, next year at this time, we won't be having this conversation because it won't matter if you're fifth or seventh or ninth or third. I mean, you're going to the playoff, you know, I mean, it really won't matter. But this year it does. So you'll keep watching. Now, if something bizarre happened, like Florida State beats Virginia Tech this weekend, 37 to 17, and they drop you two spots, we might want an investigation. I mean, we, we may we may ask for some some higher ups to uh, take a gander at what the hell's going on here. But Short of something like that, I'm, I'm not overly concerned by these rankings this early. It, it doesn't do you any really good to do so. I am impressed by a few teams that I didn't think I'd be impressed with. Uh, I don't know how much you've watched, Tom, but I, that Kentucky team is legit good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, they play big boy football up front at the lines of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage. They can run the ball down your throat, and they stop the run. Uh, that would be an interesting matchup. Uh, they're not electrifying on offense. Uh, they'll probably lose to Georgia because I don't know how they're going to score. 
but they they can stop Georgia from scoring. We may have a 6-3 game this weekend. Well, a lot of people are stopping Georgia from scoring. And, and the thing is, if they get up on you, you're, that's a boa constrictor of a team. Like, you're talking yeah. about the toughness. And then we know Mark Stoops will keep things in front of him defensively and say, all right, break off a, a nine-play drive, go down the field. And they've got the horses to do that. Yeah, they're fascinating. There's a lot of teams that are fascinating. I mean, you know, Florida went all in a few weeks ago for that Tennessee game in terms of the recruiting visits and, you know, trying to hype it up. And that was a big win for them that night in two ways, on the field and then also in the recruiting circles. But because of the parity that you're seeing around college football, that also makes the NIL game a lot tougher, the battlesend.com. It makes recruiting more murky. Uh, you know, I would think that obviously Ole Miss, even though their fans were idiots and rednecks and throwing beers on, on the field and, and they win anyway, that atmosphere is electric. The kids are going to love what they saw, what they took part in. Auburn, a lot of big-time recruits like K.J. Bolden made his way out to Auburn for that game. Even though they lose, they kind of win in the recruiting circles, it's just the parity has a lot of implications. It makes the college football playoff discussion very interesting in the last year of the four teams, but then also in the recruiting world. This is going to be fascinating because it's not just, well, if I want to win a national championship, i got to go to these three places. You're starting to see the conversation open up at a time that there are more chairs at the table for the college football playoff in the, in the near horizon. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch this thing shake out. As I just mentioned, the Georgia-Kentucky game, that they have a bye week this week, but then they play Kentucky. So that will be a fun game for all of us to tune into. We get Oklahoma and Texas, so you know, you know somebody, something's got to give there. Uh, we've already talked about the fact that Michigan and Ohio State play, and you have all these matchups where they're going to play each other. So, you know, Washington and USC, all these different teams, uh, it'll work itself out. You've, you've won the two biggest games you had to play. Now you just have to be careful that you don't have one of these moments like you had against BC. Maybe it really was that they were just sick as a dog. Could very well be. I think we have evidence that there are some other problems there too. But I, I, I do think they've probably got a good handle on their identity. I keep getting the sense from whenever I listen to Mike Norvell talk that this is no longer a if-you'd-like conversation. It's a mandate. I don't think it's going to be, hey, you know, maybe a little more pressure if you'd like. No, no, no. I think he's being told. I don't think Adam's going to have a choice any longer. This is going to be, this is who we are, attack. I'll take my chances. Yep. And I said this before the year started, Tom, and I'm going to reiterate it now because I think it's the way we have to play. It's the way we're best suited to play. It's also the smartest way to play. You attack and play aggressive knowing that you're going to give up some big plays, including some long touchdowns from time to time, because that's what happens when you're overly aggressive and you get caught in singles. It can happen. It's all right. But you're also going to create extra possessions by forcing turnovers. You're going to create avalanche scenarios where you create turnovers early in a game and your offense starts humming, and now you're up 21, and you can predict what the other team's doing, and this becomes a fun brand of football. Not one that necessarily dominates every game and holds people under 17 points, but one that services the offense and creates turnovers and more possessions at a time where you need more possessions because the game has been shortened. So I think I think Florida State's going to come out playing that way from this point forward. That is the great thing that the contest that we've won so far revealed to us, that doing this other stuff where you sit back too high shell and keep everything in front, it's not who we are. We don't play zone very well. We don't need to play very well. We don't need to play that style. And we need to be much more aggressive from a blitzing standpoint. Yeah, it doesn't mean that on every play you call man to man and, and every play. Well, it's just I think that's an important distinction. Like you know, I've, I've been tongue in cheek of you blitz every play, <laughs> just do it. You know, no, put guys on an yeah. island. Yeah. But you know, everything you do defensively has a drawback, and what you're talking about is correct. Explosive plays against. If that blitz doesn't get home, then you're exposed, and something's going to be wide the hell open. And then the other thing is, if it's third and six, 
and you're bringing pressure and you're man to man, you're going to get beat on a slant from time to time. It happened against Clemson and people are saying, why are we getting killed on slants? Well, that's the drawback. You know, it's if you don't get home immediately, then it's a guy one on one in isolation. He might give up inside leverage. It's an easy catch. Or if he misses that tackle, that could go a long way too. Everything you do gives something up and is vulnerable to something, but I, we totally agree here. We said this before the LSU game. Give the offense the ball back as many times as you can. Create short fields, and if they have a two-play drive for 65 yards and a touchdown, well, that's good in the moment for them, but it's not good over the long haul for the opponent because that means we have that much more chance, uh, that much more time on the clock to, to put the offense out there. Let's see how many more people that get involved uh, starting this week in this offense. It, it just can't be the – uh, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson show. They got they got to they got to get other people involved here and have you know a little bit more balance. I think they will. That'll be fun to watch. That's why I'm intrigued to see us play this weekend. I, I think I know what I'm going to get from the defense, but I'm really excited to see what the offense does. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm -hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Don't worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good Monday, everybody. Really quickly, I uh, do want to – I made a mistake there. I think I said that was a buy. It's not a buy. Georgia and Kentucky is this weekend, so that's good news. All right, let's go. Let's go. Great games. I do wonder um, – you know, Gregory Moran brought this up in the uh, in the chat that uh, perceptions are going to be the reality here. Somebody is going to get left out, though, per our larger conversation. 
Uh, you can see a scenario because there is no great team this year. It doesn't feel like where a bunch of people are one loss teams and we are beginning to wonder. Yeah, there are a lot of times where that conversation is had and we say, well, what does it matter? Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson is going to win. So there's just, just this nether region of the fourth team that's going to get blown out. You know, it's most years of the college football playoff, but not this year because there is no Alabama or Clemson or vintage, any one of those programs, Georgia, where you say everybody else is playing for second. So this conversation about who is fourth is going to matter greatly. And I think also the, the location of the game, uh, that's going to matter for how many fans can travel out to the West Coast if it's a Pac-12 team or if they've got to go to New Orleans across the country, you know, because the other part of this, and this is the fun decisions that hopefully we'll be able to make here. Where do you put your eggs in terms of the basket? If you've only got so many dollars, do you go to the semifinal game or do you go to and, and hold out hope for Houston and the national championship? Like all of these little things are going to matter because I think the margin is that thin from number one to probably number six or seven as, as they make the final selections in uh, early December. You're going to end up assessing who you think. I mean, bottom line is if you look at a game and you think you're going to win it, and thus make it to the championship game, you're not going to that game if you can only go to one. So you'll wait if you think we're going to win that game. If you don't think we're going to win that game and that one playoff game is the one you're going to play in, you're going to that game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, I think that's one way of assessing it. There are some matchups. You know, it's interesting. Doing this right now, Tom, I was sitting there thinking on Saturday night as I watched this all play out. And I'm watching Washington struggle, and I saw Georgia struggle, and I was thinking about that LSU win being diminished, and I was thinking about who we are, and then I was thinking about all the different teams, right? And that got me to thinking, well, if I had a vote, who would I rank number one? You know, because we can bitch and whine about everybody else's choices, but what would I do in this situation? Because I think we're really good, but I don't know that I think we look like the best team in the country. And so then I thought, well, who, who would you pick? Here's a better way of doing it. Who would you pick right now? Because that's a very different discussion. If I tell you that Florida State's wins suggest that they have to be ranked one or two based on resume, you might get a lot of people to universally agree with that. Yeah. What you would have a harder time doing is getting somebody to agree with you about the wins and losses regarding certain matchups. So if I said to you, would Florida State beat on a neutral field so-and-so? Mm -hmm. How many teams right now I wonder, I'm talking out loud here because I did this in my head. I'm kind of curious how many teams Florida State fans would would take over Florida State based on what we've seen from those teams and what we've seen from our team. Not the resume so far. The resume is, again, probably universally lauded. They have two of the better wins in the country. But who, who would you take in certain matchups? And it gets weird because in certain matchups, if you just go by tradition, you might say, well, I don't, I don't really like that matchup. They recruited better over the last five years. They got a deeper roster. They've been a better program than us for the last four years. Uh, you might pick that team, but not this year. So, for example, I'm not sure Georgia is beating Florida State right now. Correct. And yet Florida State might not beat Kentucky right now. It, yeah, the Kentucky example is an interesting one. Um, see, what, see what I mean, though? Like, it's just – I'm talking about matchups. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think – Texas stock has risen, um, sure. you know, as you're looking at things that flesh out and the transitive of when you beat somebody, how you beat somebody, their resume got more impressive, but they played a backup quarterback. Uh, and there were a yeah. lot of big plays that they would have given up if you had somebody who had half, you know, an accurate arm in that situation instead of being. So I think it's a shootout with Texas. If we play Texas, uh, it's obviously, I mean, 
USC can't stop anybody, so I'm yeah. not worried about them. Uh, Washington, I'm whatever on. Uh, Oregon's interesting. I think Oregon is an interesting team. Uh, Want to see what they do when they play teams with a pulse and not Colorado. That'll be fun. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe one, maybe two teams that you would definitively take over Florida State, but I'm stretching to get to one or two. I think you've got a lot of coin flips here. But if you're picking well, a field of four at this moment, Florida State has to be in the field of four. Oh, they would be in the field of four right now. I, I wouldn't argue against that. I just find it fascinating. There are teams, as we watch this season go on, where I go, hmm, that's not a good matchup for us. It could be a one-loss team. It could be a two-loss team where I'd be like, ooh, that – I don't like that matchup. I, our resume is better, but I don't like that matchup. And there are other teams that whose resume are, is, is equal to ours, if not close to it, that I'm like, well, no, I like us there. I think we'd win that game. So it's it's fascinating. Uh, but this is what we've always wanted. Like, I, I got really down on college football for about a four-year window. In terms of my enthusiasm going into each season, I'm always going to be excited to watch college football. It's a sport I love. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about the Knowles, and we talk about it. It's a fun job. It's a fun conversation, and it's it's one that we all look forward to year-round. We can't wait for football to come back. So I need to kind of quantify this a little bit. I was disappointed that we were getting to a place where competitive balance in college football was really, really weak. You just had maybe at the start of any given year four teams that could win a national title, maybe, any given year. And it was bad for a while there where you're like, I'm not even sure it's four, you know, like we may be down to three, Uh, you know, name me two teams, not named Alabama during that stretch. Right. It was getting tough. You could name Ohio state. There was a stretch where you could name Clemson. And then it just got weak. Like you didn't really believe in Notre Dame. Nobody ever does. I still don't. You really didn't believe that Oklahoma was going to win it as much as I wanted them to. I didn't think they could because they don't play defense or they didn't. I, there wasn't really anybody else. <laughs> you weren't like, because at that point, Georgia hadn't gotten to be what they are now. So you were just kind of like, man, I don't know. And this is this is so much better for, for fans, I think, and for all of us who each weekend now understand that a lot can happen. All the good teams have looked bad. All the bad teams have had moments where they've looked good. And then you have all this parody where you're just sitting around going, I don't know, man. Uh, it's it's a fun, fun year where matchups are everything. Uh, agreed. And and Zyler in the chat says, this is a perfect year for a 12-team playoff. Couldn't agree more. If you had the 12-team playoff, it would be so awesome this year because the top four get a bye, and let's just go by the AP poll. We'd be playing Oklahoma here in Tallahassee in the playoff. Penn State would host Alabama. What a uniform game that would be. Washington hosts Notre Dame, and Oregon plays USC. Like that would be the first weekend of the college football yeah. playoff. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It's not going to happen, however. So you, <laughs> I know uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just saying you know, this is this is where I think in most years as we move forward with a 12 team playoff, that wild card weekend, if you will, if you want to call that the opening weekend, there'll be three or four sure things you know, in terms of, in terms of who wins it. And I get it. There'd be a group of five team in here, conference champion that would muddle up the works between uh, five and 12, if you're doing that opening weekend, but just the exercise this year is so up in the air. I'm looking forward over the next month to see two things. The ACC teams sorted themselves out with Miami playing North Carolina, Clemson doing the same uh, Florida state obviously gets Miami next month, but then the PAC 12 matchups. I mean, it starts uh, in two weeks, Florida state, Got six day optioned today with the Syracuse home kick. We don't know. It's going to be either noon or 730. But that night you have USC and Oregon. And this week, um, 
or sorry, you have Oregon, Washington, uh, and then you've got USC and Oregon upcoming. I mean, it's that Pac-12 mess is going to be so much fun to sort out over the next month. Oddly, uh, the second half of the Colorado Southern Cal game is about the most impressed I've been yet with Colorado. Um, I wasn't impressed at all in their early season wins against nobodies. They looked terrible against Colorado State. Should have lost that game. Um, I thought that, obviously, they got brutalized. They weren't even remotely competitive against Oregon. That wasn't a competitive football game. That looked like children playing men. Um, And so, you know, I just didn't have anything for Colorado. The second half of that game, they showed an awful lot on offense and an awful lot of heart. Now, I know Southern Cal's defense is terrible every effing year and it is awful again this year but that game was a blowout at halftime it looked like rinse and repeat from the week prior uh now that they were playing real teams and they came all the way back and had a legitimate shot it was it was that was impressive i still think they're gonna lose five or six games but i think it was pretty impressive it was uh and again just to clean up so in two weeks time you have usc and notre dame and then oregon washington i mean if you're just trying to eliminate teams or or put more stock into a group You've got so many weeks like this. You know, most seasons, there's one park your ass Saturday, maybe two if you stretch it. But this year, because of the parity, every weekend, every time window has a game where you go, well, I mean, they've got a path. You know, next week, the other game that's six-day option with us is North Carolina and Miami. So they're either going to be a noon kick or a 730 kick. Both of those teams have to like their chances, those fan bases, that sure. they have a path to get to the playoff, and they wouldn't be wrong to do so because this is the year. Yeah, but then they just need to remember that they haven't ever mattered in 25 years or 23 years. So go back and remember that surely there's an unexpected loss coming your way, guys. Oh, that's that's <laughs> the correct logic. That is correct. But I, just, gonna, if, I didn't if, want them to get too high on all that bluster you just gave them. Well, no, but if you're going to lie to yourself, 2023 is the year to lie to yourself. A hundred percent. Sure, sure. Yeah, because you can make weird cases. I mean, again... People can get mad if they want to, but you can you can make weird cases for us. Again, styles make fights. You can look at certain things and say, well, we wouldn't match up well against this team, but we really match up against this team and they're higher ranked. It's just strange. Uh, but that's the joy of this season. That was the larger point I was getting to. Not who you think is great, not who I think is great, not who's going to upset this or that. We make these bets every week on Redemption Thursday. We have fun with these every week. We can, we can make our bets and we'll see who's right more often than not. By the way, another player prop cashed. Man, seven of eight, baby. Tom, this is getting silly. PPC, player prop Cameron. On Thursday, when I did the recorded show, you were out of town. Mm-hmm. And I said at the end of that show, I said, well, we're just going straight spreads. We're doing nothing abnormal today with uh, with picks. I shouldn't do that, by the way, because I cost myself dearly. I went four and six. And the thing is, in my real life, I bet USC uh, Colorado first half over. Because I was worried about a backdoor cover. Well, first half over was easy. And first half cover was minus 11 and a half. That was easy. Those are the best I just need to stick with. Anyhow, so the point is, I said at the end, oh, guys, I forgot to do a player prop for everybody. And I had meant to do that. And uh, and the reason I'd meant to do that was because we were on a roll. And, you know, you don't mess around with a streak. You got to do the right thing when you have a streak going. And so uh, I did a player prop, and it hit by, like, I think I might have beat it by seven yards. Mm. And uh, and that's now seven of eight. The only player prop I've missed this year was the first one. I've hit everyone since then. So my bottom line is I'm going to bet twenty thousand dollars on next week's player prop. Everybody, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> was it uh, AJ Brown who was somehow wide the hell open and uh, in the witching hour yesterday? 
So you know, by the way, and I find this fascinating, uh, but it's a reminder of why we all have to take a deep breath and, and remind ourselves that our coaches aren't the dumbest coaches in the world, even at times when we, th when we think they are. Um, and here's what I mean. How many times over the weekend combined college or pro football did we watch a third and forever get completed and or converted because they rushed three? Mm. I watched this happen in the Notre Dame game. I watched it happen last night in the Kansas City game. I saw it happen in two regular uh, in the afternoon games, one o'clock in the afternoon games, where the team that needs the stop has put them in a third and 18 position. And these are professionals. And you're watching this happen, and some dude who could barely run is scampering for 19 and getting out of bounds. And you're like, I could hear our fans going, damn it, Fuller! You suck at him, Fuller! I'm like, well, go say that to their pro defensive coordinator and that pro defensive coordinator, and go say that to Elko, who's the best defensive coach in football, and go say that to everybody else who gave up third and 16 over the weekend because it happened over and over and over again. Yeah, and you know what? It happened a week ago in the Clemson game, and it was massive. Third and goal from the seven. Remember, it was the, the fake screen to the outside to Keon. He comes over the middle. He's wide open. They rushed three. Yeah. Guys, guys, what are we doing? I'm like, thank you. I'm like, thank you very much. That's one hell of a call. I love that call. You rush three. Give us all day. But you're, they get so scared of themselves. Coaches get so scared of their own shadow. It happened over and over and over again, and there were defensive – I mean, I'm watching – I'm watching Washington, the effing commanders go right down the field on Philadelphia at the end of that game. The whole world knows what's coming, and they give that up over and over and over again. I'm like, man, Philadelphia's defense doesn't suck. Mm. Duke's defense doesn't suck. We can keep doing this over and over, but I watched it happen all day. So just deep breaths, everybody. Now, I'm not saying we've turned the other way if we have a hard time doing something week in and week out. I am saying it's – prevalent across the board that you see defensive coordinators do exactly what you said. They're like, uh, uh, I'm going to sit back. It's third and 18. Let's just keep it in front of us. Nobody get beat over the top. Mm -hmm. yeah. Next thing I, you know, some quarterbacks all in ass for 18. Yeah. I don't want to make the big mistake. So you're going to make the big mistake. <laughs> That's yeah. Over and over and over again. It's Jeff Cameron show 93, three real talk radio. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Or Chant TV. Hey guys, our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick and easy to remember. So I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this too, it is... Um, a simple, effective investment for your health. You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash JCS. Again, that's go to, all you got to do is go to uh, drinkag1.com slash JCS. That's drinkag1.com slash JCS. Check it out. 
It's delicious. It's quick. It's easy. It's proven. Vitamins, probiotics, whole food source nutrients. Start your day with it. You'll feel better. I promise. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Baited breath and the guts to go. Crisscrossing the continent. Jeff Cameron Show. Good Monday, everybody. Thanks for coming on board. Uh, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Channel TV, and uh, on Twitter at Jay Cameron Show. And don't you hate it when we're in the middle of doing the show, Tom, and I get this notice from my bank. My bank's like, hey, man, somebody's trying to charge $28.87. Did you do this? No, no, I didn't. But I'm in the middle of doing a radio show, so we're going to have to worry about this afterwards. <laughs> what was the charge for? It says, I just looked it up online. Hey, maybe you guys out there can tell me. Uh, Spartan Value Store charge? I don't know what that is. <laughs> did, did it say uh, what town? Sometimes it'll give you the, uh, the ad. I didn't have time during the break. I just okay. now looked down here and saw that the Spartan Value Store is trying to charge me twenty eight oh seven. My guess is this is going to be an online thing where the, um, you know how like if you buy a shirt, like you say you want a golf shirt. And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, two putts golf. And you're like, oh, I like that two putts golf shirt. I'm going to wear that one. And I click on it and buy it. Well, when you get the bill for two putts golf, it comes back as something completely different. It's not right. two putts right. golf. It's the Spartan value store or it's whatever the hell. And that's what I suspect this is going to be. But maybe somebody in the uh, in the chat will be like, oh, yes, you're all over it, Jeff. The Spartan value store is going to screw you. They robbed me of $7,000 last week. Or they're going to say, no, no, you're good, Jeff. Spartan Value Store, uh, you must have ordered some golf balls or uh, a tennis racket or something. Who knows? So I, yeah, you got to let me know because I have no idea what the Spartan Value Store is. When's the last time you bought a tennis racket? Uh, <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> Was it from? Did you go to the sports authority? No, I bought it from the pro shop at a, at a country club that oh. uh, I used to play at. Nice, nice. Uh, so, I miss the yeah. Sports Authority. That was one of the finest smelling stores in history. Yeah, it's funny. The stores that you can remember for smells. Uh, I used to I used to love the smell of Walden Books. Oh, yeah. Walden Books, but you walk in there like, yes, love it. And really any record store. Um, I'm always a big, big fan. Um, you know, you always know who's running things. Yeah. Uh, Spartan Value Store just got $30,000 of free advertising. I don't know what the Spartan Value Store is. I could be telling everybody that they're thieves. Um, I, have, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so now I'm a little worried about it, but we'll figure it out at the top of the hour. I did want to say this, all jokes aside, man, I was really sad. Speaking of our youth, uh, seeing a Tim Wakefield pass. Oh really bothered me uh on a lot of levels first of all he's only 57 i'm 52 so that hit home that 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 scares you to no end um you know if you think about this my man he started with the pirates and his story is incredible um the, the pirates took him tom i don't know if a lot of people know this i'll just get this out there the pirates took him as a first baseman he had played first base and third base in college and i think he played at the florida institute of technology 
Mm. Uh, that's where he played his, his high school ball and or his college ball. And uh, he had a year where he hit like 22 home runs, and they thought he was an offensive weapon. So the Pirates took him. He hit below 200 in like low A ball. He couldn't hit at all. And they were getting ready to release him. And they had a conversation about what to do with him, as one would when somebody's hitting 180 in A ball and really struggling, no power. And uh, one of the coaches for the Pirates, I think it was in Savannah, said that they noticed guys, baseball players love uh, to throw to throw the knuckleball. They love to have a good time just throwing the knuckleball, right? And they're always practicing. And coaches have seen this over the years. They'll watch guys throw knuckles and they'll laugh at it. But this particular coach said when he saw Wakefield do it, he was like, hmm. That has a little life late to it. That's got a little something to it that's different than these other guys just fooling around throwing a knuckler. But he didn't tell anybody about it until they had the meeting, right? And so they have the meeting, and they're talking about releasing him, and how much longer are they going to give him? And he goes, guys, you can't release him until I see him pitch. I want to I give him a chance to pitch for us. And they're like, no, we're not going to. We're not going to do that. And he's like, no, no, seriously. I saw it's got late life to it. It moves late. And I, I'm telling you, I think he's going to be pretty good. So they're about to cut him. They say, you know what? We want you to pitch. Wakefield hasn't thrown a knuckler since he was throwing it with his dad in the front yard. He used to throw it with his dad over and over and over again. And then on the side when he'd warm up every now and then. So he's like, I've, I've not done this in a game since I was a little kid. They're like, well, this is your last shot to play, play, play baseball, professional baseball. So get on the mound and try it. And he was pretty successful early on, and then they refined it some. And the next thing you know, he was really good, and he's pitching in the Pirates playoff games uh, back in the 90s, and it's crazy. So the Pirates end up giving up on him, eventually realizing, like, listen, this guy's never going to be, like, a 15-game winner or something like that for us on the mound. Uh, We're going to release him. So they do, after he'd won 14 games for the Pirates, and the Red Sox pick him up. He ends up staying there for 17 seasons. He won 186 games for them, some of the most important games, too. He also ate innings time and again to rest their staff, and he would volunteer to do it, including in the infamous comeback against the Yankees in which they were down three games to none. That third game, they get roughed up, and he volunteers, turns to Tito and says, I'll pitch the rest of the way. I don't care if I give up 15 runs. you got to save all the arms you can for our comeback. He says, yes, he goes out there. He does get roughed up, but they just keep pitching him. He's got a rubber arm. It's a knuckleball. It's not wear and tear. And then they come back, and they win the whole thing. And we all know that story. The players loved him. He also volunteered for countless charities. Ironically, he did a ton in Boston for uh, cancer centers and children's cancer facilities. And to hear about him getting cancer, brain cancer at that, and how quickly it happened. I think I think they said three days after he was diagnosed. Truly tragic. He ended up play, finishing his career, Tom. I don't know if a lot of people know this. As the third winningest pitcher in Boston Red Sox history, by the way. And he has 200 total wins for his career. Like he, I mean, that's that's not nothing. That's not no. nothing. But uh, an even was, greater guy, apparently. Made me sad to hear that over the weekend. Yeah, I saw his most infamous pitch, uh, which was Aaron Boone, first pitch of the 11th inning sure. in 2003. And that game featured, it was a who's who of guys that were on the mound. Pedro started against Roger Clemens. Well, that was the mistake that they made in that game by letting him keep going. And then, yeah, the whole thing unraveled. I love that Boston never blamed him, by the way. He had pitched a scoreless inning the inning before. Yep. Um, and they left him out there, and he gives up the home run to Boone. The thing is, the next year, by the way, at, at one of the one of the – I guess baseball dinners that the Red Sox had that fans could come to before the start of the season. This is another famous story about Wakefield. He always felt like a goat for doing that. Like the whole off season, he contemplated 
like leaving the team and retiring. He thought he let the city of Boston down. They gave him a standing ovation as if to let him know, hey, man, and that wasn't your bad. We blew that game earlier in the day. Don't worry. It wasn't your fault. And he started crying up at the dais. He was about to give a speech, and the fans wouldn't stop cheering. It's beautiful, man. Beautiful. Baseball does that. It does that, and, you know, for that 0-4 team, redemption in so many ways. You know, he felt all offseason terribly about it. They come back in historic fashion, but that was um, that was a night that, I mean, in sports, I'll, I'll never forget that. Unfortunately, it's not watching my own team play, but just, I mean, when you've got Clemens and Pedro and Mariano Rivera, David Wells pitched in the game, Mike Messina, and yeah. then Tim Wakefield threw the final pitch. Uh, he's he was just a part of so many pivotal moments. You know that's 20 years ago in two weeks, October 16, 2003. It's 20 years from that moment. Unbelievable. That seems impossible, and how much time has has gone by? Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, I I will just say that is the other sad part of this story is they do have a. I know he has a daughter. I think he has maybe two kids. I'm not sure. Maybe one, but his wife has cancer too. Yeah, brutal. That's just well. It makes you appreciate being here, right? It makes you appreciate the people you love. It makes you appreciate the, the fact that we get to come on the air every day and talk about sports and get to talk about these games and talk about going to a game this Saturday. In fact, this is one of those games, Tom, where this Saturday I get an opportunity to sit in the stands with the, with the whole family. We're all going. And uh, we're going to make it a family thing instead of me being in the box or whatever. So it'll be, it'll be fun this weekend. So my wife rarely goes to games, but she's going to this one too. So it'll be a nice pregame atmosphere too. We're Indigo from twelve thirty to two thirty on Saturday. Uh, you know, Indigo gets that western sun, that that setting sun. Doesn't happen uh, from twelve thirty to two thirty. That's going to be a nice breeze up top, buddy. It's going to feel like football, just like these mornings have Perfect. in the past few days. By the way, breeze Frey, I knew that was coming, and I'm glad you made that joke. Uh, and I saw several others make something similar there. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's well played. Uh, but I do want to know what this is. And so as we go to break, I'm going to find out why the hell I've been charged by Spartan Value Company. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Hour number two, forthcoming. 